there has been a major spike in hate crimes against Asians and Pacific Islanders in America. Ever since the pandemic hit and most of us had to go into quarantine. But for the past few months, uh, it, has, it has gone up like dramatically. And, I, I, you know, since I'm Korean American and many of our church members are Asian American, this has impacted a lot of us in uh, a deep way. And I, I found it really, really um, necessary and important to address this because it just goes against uh, everything what God and um, the Bible uh, teaches us about racism and oppression against uh, specific like people groups. And we've been going through this series uh, on Lent for the past couple weeks. And you might be wondering, like, what does racism, oppression, and overcoming hate have to do with Lent? Well, Lent is a season of transformation. Okay, Lent is supposed to represent the season of transformation as we anticipate uh, celebrating good or remembering Good Friday, where Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, and he resurrected. Uh, to a new self on Easter Sunday, right? So Lent is kind of like leading up to that and it's all about transformation. And this is a big reason why many of us participate in fasts, okay? Fasting is a big part of engaging in this transformation process. By fasting, we're dying to our old ways and we are resisting things like gluttony and greed and consumerism and we are depending and leaning more on God. And as we depend more on God, we are led more by the Holy Spirit and we care for the things that God cares about and also our hearts break for the things that break God's heart. And so all of this violence and abuse and oppression and racism that's been directed towards Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders um, totally flies in the face of what God is all about. And so as a church, um, as God's people, we really, really have to address this. Now, the passage that we looked at earlier, um, the book of Galatians, okay, was a letter that was written by Apostle Paul in the first century to the church in a city called Galatia. The people of Galatia, who are called the Galatians, which is why the book that we read is called Galatians, okay? The people of Galatia um, arrived in this city uh, in uh, very interesting ways, okay? Most of them were not original inhabitants of the city. In fact, many of them were descendants of a group called the Celts or the Gauls. Uh, they invaded Asia Minor in about the 3rd century BC. So the Galatians' ancestors, like their grandparents and great-grandparents, were relatively like violent and savage people. They were um, greedy and ambitious for land and power. And in fact, many of them were mercenaries, which meant that they literally fought in battles and war for money. So those were the Galatians' uh, ancestors, okay? That's kind of like the history that the Galatians in the first century came from. 
Now, those were the Gentile uh, Galatians, okay, which are non-Jewish people, all right? But there was also a group of uh, Galatians who were Jewish. They came from Jewish backgrounds, okay? And they're Jewish in ethnicity, but also in religion, who converted to Christianity. Um, but they never stopped being Jewish. And so they still practiced their Jewish customs and Jewish uh, um, traditions, and they still ate kosher, right? And they still celebrated all the Jewish holidays, right? And they were confused when they went to temple and were worshiping Jesus as these like, Jews who became Christian and saw that these Gentiles were not doing any of the things that they were so accustomed to. And so these Jewish Christians, um, first of all, they thought of themselves as being um, a superior to the Gentiles whom they looked at as pagans and as savage people, right? And they really saw themselves as the bearers of knowledge, as a holy and righteous people, and the ones who were the legitimate descendants of Abraham and Moses and, and King David, right? And these Gentiles were kind of uh, unfamiliar with everything that was required for faith. And so these Jewish Christians in the city of Galatia would try to teach, indoctrinate, um, colonize, if you will, the Gentiles um, and try to force them to become Jewish, um, not by ethnicity because they knew that they weren't Jewish, right? Uh, they knew that they were descendants of the Gauls. Uh, but they would try to uh, convert them and colonize them to become Jewish in practice and in traditions in order to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And this is where uh, Apostle Paul comes in. Okay, He hears about this happening in the city of Galatia, in the church in the city of Galatia. And so Paul wrote to the Galatians to kind of level the playing field right, and to teach them how to get along with each other. And he does this by emphasizing on the true gospel and what it really means. And ultimately, what Apostle Paul was getting at in this letter that he wrote to the Galatians is this. A life of faith leads to a life of freedom. A life of faith leads to a life of freedom. This means that all of the laws, the commandments that God gives us, the teachings that Jesus uh, gave while he was doing his ministry, the miracles that he performed, they were all designed to lead to a life of freedom. And the misconception that many people have, like even to this day, is that Christianity exists to keep people in bondage and in control. But that is the furthest thing from the truth. God's commands are a result of God's love. Okay, we learned that uh, a couple weeks ago, okay, when we were learning about like fasting and gluttony, um, is that God gave us his laws as a result of his love. He gave us his laws as a way of protecting us, um, as a way of looking out and loving our neighbor, or just for the greater benefit of society. And when the people of God live according to the laws of God, it is designed to allow us to live in freedom, okay? It is not designed to keep us in bondage or keep us in control. Now, 
what does that have to do with everything that's going on today? Okay, what does the letter that Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in this ancient city of Galatia have to do with our faith today and everything that's been happening in our nation? Well, America has always had a problem with blending faith and nationalism. In many of the ways that Jewish Christians in the first century uh, in the city of Galatia blended their customs and rituals and culture with their faith, we, we see American Christians doing the very same things today. We see Americans blending American culture, uh, customs, and rituals into their faith. And what's even more detrimental and toxic in this line of thinking is that many American Christians view themselves as new Israelites. Many American Christians view themselves as new Israelites. Now, and now the problem with this is that the Jews, the Israelites, they are the only ones who are, eth ethnically speaking, okay, God's chosen people. But American Christians, uh, un unfortunately, many of us have viewed ourselves as the new Israelites. And when we do that, we misinterpret a lot of the, a lot of the things, a lot of the commands that God gave specifically to the Jews as our own. Now, if American Christians think of themselves as the new Israelites, right? then America, the, as, as a nation, as a land, can be viewed as, Amer as their promised land. And the indigenous people who've been living here for centuries and thousands of years, they can be viewed as like the Canaanites in the book of Exodus. And the Canaanites were the people who previously inhabited the promised land before the Israelites came into that land, right? And God gave the Israelites the command to, uh, to defeat the Canaanites, right? But that was a command specifically given to the Israelites in the land of Canaan. But when Americans think of themselves as the new Israelites, they view um, this land that we're living on as their promised land, as their God-given right. And they could view the indigenous people who've been living here prior to their arrival as the Canaanites, as obstacles coming between their God-given right and the promised land. And this mentality, this kind of mentality continued on in the hearts and minds of Americans today, okay, especially American Christians. Unfortunately, the American church has not only contributed to systemic racism in America, the American church has created the very power structures where systemic racism finds its roots in this country. In his most recent book, Yale Divinity School professor uh, and author and black liberation theologian Willie Jennings addresses this problem that stemmed from theological education rooted in what he called white self-sufficient masculinity. And uh, it's in this book right here, uh, After Whiteness. What a provocative title, right? 
Um, and he notes that, uh, and he's a Christian, okay? He is a believer, all right? Uh, he teaches at Yale Divinity School. Um, and, but he notes that there is this beauty of the gospel um, that is very translatable. And he says the beauty of the true gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ is its translatability. It's th this ability to transcend people groups, cultures, and languages. Let me read for you um, what he said in um, the preface of his book. God allows the divine life to be spoken in the words of everyone, one people at a time, each translating a revelation into their own tongue. The God of Israel loves you and is also your God. This is the deepest and truest root of theological education, gospel translatability. Translation opens up endless possibilities of boundary crossing freedom and life boundary crossing uh, freedom and life but then he talks about how uh, American Christians uh, especially those of European descent have twisted this and mutated this into something uh, completely different and he talks about um, what how what how the American church has made the gospel of Jesus Christ, specifically and uniquely American. Later in his book, he says this. He says, We Christians created a problem that we are obligated to address. The theological sensibilities of too many peoples made Christian, made Christian under these destructive conditions continue this destruction by perpetuating fear and disgust for their own people's practices and turning away critical, always critical of them as they look and listen to those voices most similar and most familiar to their own. Now, this is really interesting. He says in this last sentence, not everything can or should be made Christian. But too many peoples never got the chance to do the discerning work before everything was shattered into pieces. Unfortunately, we have forced, the American church has forced this false dualism uh, in far too many areas of our lives. There's secular music and there's Christian music. There's secular movies and there's Christian movies. Christian movies are like some of the worst movies, by the way. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to say, okay? And there's like regular books and Christian books, okay? And this like false dualism that we have projected into uh, our way of life has caused this like antagonism between us Christians and the world, the rest of the world. Um, Jennings, uh, like most respected biblical scholars, knows that there are a myriad of passages in Scripture that speaks directly against things like this and things like uh, Christian nationalism, like in today's passage. Let me just read that for us again. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 28. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. 
Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Jesus, having clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, the fact that it's Apostle Paul writing these words is really, really shocking because Paul himself is um, very Jewish, okay? He is like the most Jewish person in the first century. He comes from this uh, group of people called the Pharisees and they were highly respected, highly educated. He grew up going to temple and he knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand, right? And so he uh, came from this like proud Jewish heritage Yet he is saying, if you belong to Christ, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants. And so he, he destroys this like separation between Jews and Gentiles and says, at the core of it is your faith. At the core of it is your faith. Now, the most famous verse in today's passage is undoubtedly verse 28. Okay, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This famous verse was quoted by uh, none other than Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in 1957 uh, in a little pamphlet that he and some other civil rights leaders printed opposing segregation. Uh, a lot of times people have this like misconception of what racism is okay racism uh, is prejudice okay against a certain uh, people group or ethnicity okay it's racism is prejudice plus power or the abuse of power or use of uh, power to dominate or hurt or abuse uh, other ethnic people okay so a, a simple way to put it in three simple words is this okay Prejudice plus power equals racism, okay? Prejudice plus power equals racism. And so this is one of the reasons why um, many people say you can't be racist against white people. And obviously, a lot of white people are offended when you say that because you definitely can be prejudiced against white people, but uh, white people have never really known what it's like to not have power in this country okay now that doesn't mean white people don't have struggles and white people can't experience pain and white people can't be poor and white people can't be struggling obviously white people can be experience all of those things that people of color experience however you don't experience white people don't experience these things because they're white okay they don't experience worse prejudice and they don't experience worse abuse because of their whiteness, right? And so that is the key difference why white people can't really experience racism in this country or actually most of the world. And actually, most places in the world, white people have a certain privilege, okay? White people are more respected and revered than people of color, okay? Or people from uh, non-European descent. Now, this all ties in, uh, now I'm going to uh, home in a little bit more on Asian Americans specifically, 
Okay, as we've been having a lot of attacks against uh, Asians and Pacific Islanders in our country. Now, uh, hate crimes against Asians is not a new thing in America. It's existed for as long as this country existed. Right? Let me just give you three examples because a lot of these things are not talked about in our history classes growing up in junior high and high school. And maybe we, uh, they start to address it in college, but not really, okay? Because uh, even history itself does not have much record of all of the things that, um, all of the hate crimes that's been committed against Asian people in America. I was first exposed to hate crimes against Asians when I read No No Boy by John Okada when I was in junior, uh, junior high. And that's when I first read about the Japanese internment camps between 1942 and 1946. This is probably the most famous one, okay? Uh, Japanese internment camps uh, in the 40s, okay? And, and as you probably remember from your own history classes, these Japanese internment camps were, um, or uh, there was this executive order signed by Franklin D. Roosevelt um, uh, in 1942 to round up pretty much anyone of Japanese descent. And over the course of these four years, uh, over 120,000 Japanese people were placed in concentration camps all over our country, okay? Um, and this includes Hawaii and Alaska. However, over 80,000 of them, okay, a vast majority of them, over 80,000 of them were Nisei, okay, which is Japanese for second generation Japanese American. They were born in America. There are lesser known hate crimes against uh, Asian people. I recently discovered um, that Monterey, the city of Monterey in North, uh, North California, uh, the fishing economy in Monterey was mostly started by Chinese people. There were this group of Chinese fishers in Monterey uh, that settled there and around the 1850s. Okay, and by 1853, there were more than 500 Chinese fishers in the greater Monterey area. And what was beautiful about this is that when new families would move into this area from China, um, a lot of the other families who've been there before them would work together and help them out and they really fished as a community. Um, but by uh, the late 1800s, European settlers heard about these rumors of the success of these Chinese fishers and started moving into Monterey as well. And a lot of them were uh, from um, Italy and Sicily. Um, but they were kind of, uh, they experienced this like culture shock when they moved into Monterey because uh, many of these Chinese fishers would <clears throat> dry the fish, hanging them outside. And it just, it just the stench of this drying fish just uh, went everywhere. And it reminded these European settlers of the Chinese fishers' success uh, while at the same time uh, reminding them of their own struggles. So what the European settlers did was they lobbied to create more stringent anti-Chinese laws to limit their fishing. And that also limited their time of fishing to only nighttime. So they couldn't fish in daytime anymore. Um, but the Chinese fishers, they did what they do best and they adapted. And so 
they would take these boats they would take these boats uh, with lamps at nighttime and um, try to fish at night and they discovered that squid was attracted to the light um, at nighttime and so they actually started catching a lot of squid during nighttime and that's how um, kind of the squid <laughs> fishing industry like thrived and so they would always find these ways to like uh, survive despite uh, all these oppositions by European settlers um, but by but in 1906 there was this great fire in Monterey that set uh, fire to the entire village where Chinese people uh, were living where these Chinese families were living and it totally devastated um, the industry for these Chinese fishers which they were never able to recover from and last but not least I'll give you one more example of historical um, hate crimes committed against Asians um, there was this um, Chinese American man his name is Vincent Chen who lived in Detroit area in the 80s and he worked as a draftsman um, for an engineering company in Detroit now one day while Vincent Chen was celebrating his bachelor party with some friends in a city called Highland Park which is uh, near Detroit um, after he celebrated his bachelor party he was walking back to his car and he encountered two men Ronald Evans and Evans son-in-law Michael Nitz they were both workers uh, they both worked for Chrysler but Nitz was recently laid off and they encountered Vincent Chen and they uh, mistook him for Japanese okay um, they were calling him all sorts of Japanese slurs even though Chen himself said that he's not Japanese and they brutally attacked um, Vincent Chen uh, to the point where he was uh, unconscious he was put in a coma and there was a lot of animosity in the 80s um, and this was in 1982 okay and this was like a week before Chin was supposed to get married and uh, there was a lot of animosity against Japanese people in America at the time because um, Japanese automakers were doing so much better than American automakers and uh, they Ronald Evans and Michael Nitz blamed Chin for uh, Nitz's uh, recent layoff, even though Chin is not even Japanese. Chin was taken to, uh, when he was found, he was taken to Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit and he died four days later from severe injuries. Evans and Nitz were both charged with second degree murder, but they bargained down their charges to manslaughter and pleaded guilty in 1983. Then they were ordered to pay $3,000 and they served three years probation with no jail time for murder, okay? This is for like second degree murder, but they were only charged for manslaughter and only paid $3,000 and served three years probation with no jail time. This created um, so much anger and uh, bitterness in the Asian American community in the 80s and this really um, changed American law against uh, hate crimes okay and so hate crimes were taken much more seriously um, after that point what's really really unfortunate is that like Evans and Nitz 
they really never served time ever for committing murder, right? And and Chin's parents never really got the full justice that uh, Vincent Chin deserved. And now, uh, because of uh, all of the recent attacks against like Asian Americans, people are becoming more and more angry, just like they were in the 80s when Vincent Chen was murdered. Okay? And, and there have been so many attacks against Asian people in America. They, um, many of you might have heard of Vicha Ratanakpakti, and he was an elder Thai man. Uh, he was 84 when he was attacked in San Francisco, and he unfortunately passed away due to his injuries for no reason, right? No reason other than the fact that he was of Asian descent. And then uh, like a week or so after Vicha Ratanabhakti uh, was attacked, there were three other people in Oakland who were attacked, a 91-year-old man, a 60-year-old man, and a 55-year-old woman. Uh, and also recently in Flushing, New York, a 52-year-old woman was randomly attacked. And, and she was, the, a lot of these people weren't even robbed or anything. They were just attacked and left. And recently, just a few days ago, most even recently in Koreatown, right here in Los Angeles, um, a U.S. Air Force veteran by the name of Jimmy Kim was attacked. And I even saw this picture of Jimmy Kim on the cover of my mother-in-law's Korean newspaper. Okay, um, he was, uh, what's you know, Jimmy Kim was like born and raised here in America, and he even served in the U.S. Air Force. Yet he was called all these like racial slurs, uh, and and he was he was attacked, um, even though it was unprovoked, and they were all blamed for COVID, for coronavirus. Okay, since quarantine, there have been over three thousand cases of hate crimes against Asians, and what makes this even worse is that most of them um, have been against elderly people. And if you are Asian American, or if you know anyone who's an older Asian person, you know that most elderly Asian people just don't want to cause trouble. They're really like, they don't, they don't want to um, make a scene, and they just want to keep their head down, work hard, and just contribute to society. But these are the ones who are being targeted, which is disgusting, which is horrendous. Now, if hearing all of this and reading about this in the news um, is uh, triggering or infuriating, I actually think that's a good thing, okay? It should make you angry. It should make you upset, okay? And then uh, on the opposite end, if hearing all of this and reading about this in the news does not make you angry, then I would say that you're part of the problem, even if you're Asian, or probably more so because you're Asian. Like, how can you see all of these things happening and not get upset? If you're not Asian and you're seeing these things happen, then I wonder if you yourself are a racist, okay? Uh, if you're not Asian and you see these things happening and you're not affected by it, I, I wonder if you yourself are a racist. But if you are Asian American and you see these things happen to other Asian people in America and you're not affected by it, What's wrong with you? You know, like, uh, how, how can you be so indifferent and so apathetic to what's happening here? And all of this 
um, ties back in with what's been happening in our country the past 11 months okay these are not isolated events the insurrection at uh at our nation's capital on january 6th uh, uh, for, uh caused by all of these like uh nationalists right um that is not an isolated event from all of these attacks against asian people okay the black lives matter movement that happened uh, in the summer as a result of um senseless killings on people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. That is not separate from what's happening to Asians uh, today, okay? It's, it's all connected. And it, all of it goes back to this like toxic mentality of Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism, where we blend our faith uh, with nationalism. And that has caused so much destruction in our country and it will continue to cause destruction in our country unless we continue to address it now here is just a quick uh, statistic of uh, the percentages uh, of uh, hate crimes against asians in america now what do we do with all of this okay uh, is there any kind of encouragement that we can walk away with Yes, there is, okay? I'm not just sharing this message for the sake of doom and gloom, okay? Uh, here are three takeaways that you can take from this, whether you are Asian American or not, all right? First is this, do not live in fear. Do not live in fear. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. My fellow Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, we are not being punished because we did nothing wrong. Some of our fellow Asian Americans are being targeted because of other people's ignorance and stupidity, but we are not being punished, okay? And because we have the love of God in our hearts, uh, if you do consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, because we have the love of God in our hearts, we have nothing to fear. Now, we do have a lot of reasons to grieve and be angry, um, but grieving uh, is not the same as fear, all right? Grief is uh, healthy, all right? It's healthy to grieve, but being, Fearful can be crippling. Grieving helps us to grow, but fear can cause us to be stuck. Now, there is a good kind of fear where, you know, if your life is in danger or if you're like in the middle of the woods and you hear a weird sound, um, that causes, you know, that causes, that, that's actually a good kind of fear. This kind of fear, fear of being targeted and fear of hate crimes or fear of racism, um, we, we don't have to be stuck there, okay? We don't have to remain there, all right? Um, tr now, trauma, okay, uh, hits different people differently, all right? There's nothing wrong with you if you are struggling with this more than maybe your neighbor is, all right? And um, there might be good reason why it's affecting you more than it is um, your friend or your neighbor. So acknowledge your grief, okay? Acknowledge your grief. And if you are fearing, uh, if you are feeling some fear, um, 
don't necessarily just like run away from it or like dismiss it, but be inquisitive and explore those feelings uh, because we have to address it and acknowledge them to ultimately overcome them. Lately, I've been reading um, this old book by one of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, called Reaching Out. Um, and I wanted to read you a couple lines from here. Too often, we will do everything possible to avoid the confrontation with the experience of being afraid. And sometimes we are able to create the most ingenious devices to prevent ourselves from being reminded of this feeling. Our culture has become most sophisticated in the avoidance of emotional and mental pain. Wow. Our culture has become the most sophisticated in the avoidance of emotional and mental pain. And we create the most ingenious devices to prevent ourselves from being reminded of this condition. The other thing I want to encourage you all is do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Romans 1 verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. God gave you your identity. If you are a follower of God, if you are a person of faith, God gave you a new identity. But you are still you. Okay, it's not if you are Asian American, God didn't remove your Asianness to give you a new identity. Okay, He created, He gave you a new identity within your existing identity. Just as the Jews never stopped being Jews <laughs> uh, when they followed Jesus Christ, if you are Asian American, you are still Asian American, and but you are also a child of God, and you have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. I had the opportunity to participate in a webinar yesterday um, led by neuroscientist and mental health expert Dr. Caroline Leaf. Okay? And she says something very interesting about depression because I struggled with depression for uh, all of my teenage years and um, I still kind of struggle with it now even as an adult even though it's gotten much better. But he says, she says this about depression. Depression is not a permanent condition. Depression is a warning signal that something is missing or something is wrong. Depression is not a permanent condition. Depression is a warning signal that something is missing or something is wrong. So when we do experience uh, shame or, or fear or depression, um, don't treat it as like, permanent conditions okay uh treat them as warning signs okay and the other thing that dr leaf says is this like, is she says to embrace the warning signs welcome it which is odd right and she's not talking about it like in some sort of masochistic way okay like you love feeling depressed okay no she's saying like don't ignore it and don't dismiss it because she says uh if you dismiss it uh it actually has more control over you. Isn't that interesting? This uh, Dr. Leaf, this, this brilliant neuroscientist, uh, says that like when you ignore or dismiss your uh, warning signs like depression, fear, or shame, 
it actually has more control and more dominance on you. So she says to recognize it, to embrace it, to welcome it. And that is the best way to overcome it. Okay? And, and Dr. Leaf is a firm believer. Um, after years of research and studying thousands of subjects, she is a firm believer that it has to kind of get worse before it gets better. Okay? Uh, as you can see in this kind of uh, spectrum, right? uh, there's autonomy on one end. And you kind of have to go through these motions uh, in order to overcome them. The only way out is through. Okay, so if you are feeling fear or if you are feeling shame, uh, really uh, be inquisitive and ask yourself, like, why am I feeling this? Where is this coming from? And what is the warning signal that's, that this is pointing to? And last but not, definitely not least is do not be silent. Do not be silent. What's beautiful about this passage that we read today is that the Gentile Christians who are experiencing this kind of um, pressure from their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ uh, is that they talked about it, okay? Uh, we know that they talked about it because Paul heard about it, okay? Paul was not in the city of Galatia when he heard about these things. And so uh, he probably, uh, so the Galatians, um, the, the non-Jewish Galatians were probably talking about it with each other and maybe talking about it with their like spiritual leaders in their community. Or maybe they uh, wrote a letter directly to Paul saying like, hey, this is what's happening, man. Like, uh, what are we supposed to do? You know, and so uh, they did not remain silent. They did not remain silent. And this reminds me of another encouragement that Paul gave to another church in the city called, uh, of Ephesus. Okay, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them okay expose them he says to talk about it okay so if you are experiencing racism call it out okay call it out if someone says something racist to you or if someone says something offensive to you call it out and put it back on them okay for being the bigot for being the ignorant one it also says in proverbs chapter 31 verse 9 open your mouth judge wisely Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Okay, open your mouth, judge wisely, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. As a result of this spike in hate crimes against Asians, um, I notice a lot of uh, celebrities, actors, influencers have been posting um, this picture that says uh, hashtag stop Asian hate. And as you can see in that, there, there are these various steps um, uh, that you can do to help support Asians in our country now. But as you can see, the last one says to speak up, to speak up. So if you are Asian American or if you want to support your fellow Asian American brothers and sisters in Christ, I encourage all of us to not live in fear, to not be ashamed and to not be silent. Speak up, okay? Speak up against racism. Speak up against those who commit these hate crimes against God's people. In closing, I, I know this was kind of a lot and this was a kind of a heavy topic, but it really, really needed to be addressed in a real way. 
but in closing, I want to um, share with you this um, poem, okay? And um, just read it for yourself. Take your time, okay? It's going to be on the screen for a while. So, uh, and then after that, we'll leave uh, a few minutes of, of silence. Um, we'll have some soft music playing for you to pray and reflect. Have a blessed week.